Hi, this is Dr. Tina Webb, and you are listening to the Coping Season Podcast, the show that discusses mental and emotional wellness to help black men and black women begin to heal and cope with the effects of emotional distress. Although I am a licensed clinical social worker, please note that this podcast is not meant to be used as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist. Get ready to laugh, think, and be entertained. It's time to cope. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I'm back. Oh, my gosh. I've missed y'all so much. It has been a long time. It's been a long time without you, my friends. But I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. (laughs) See, I'm back like I never left, busting out into song, laughter, all kinds of stuff. I am just so excited to be here. So our last episode was in July. We left off talking about Keisha Cole and just healing from the death of her mother. And since then, so much has happened. Keisha Cole has also lost her father since then. Also, DaBaby and Danny Lee, they've been kind of going through it. We've been talking about this Omarion variant. (laughs) Let me not do Omarion like that. The Omicron variant of COVID is now sweeping the nation. We've been dealing with tornadoes and storms and um, people getting accused of sexual harassment. All kinds of stuff just going on. Home invasions, the black godfather's wife being murdered, 80 something years old. You live that long and somebody comes in and just takes your life. So we've been dealing with that, dealing with a lot of loss. Desmond Tutu just died. You know, we lost Kango Kid. We've lost the fashion designer Virgil Abloh at 41 years old due to an aggressive and rare form of cancer. We've lost Antoine Fowler, the little six-year-old internet celebrity who was sitting in the car with his mom. Remember that viral video? And he was like, where are we about to eat at? Um, He passed away as well. Young Dolph, senseless violence, the rapper that was gunned down in his hometown. There is just so much that's been happening in these last four months. I mean, just so many people that we've lost, so much drama and so many things that have been going on in the world. Also, too, we lost A.J. Johnson, Anthony A.J. Johnson. Remember from Friday? And he was like, Smokey! Remember he played Ezel from Friday? He, we lost him. He was found lifeless in a store in L.A. in September. So just a lot going on. You know, he had a heart attack, they say. We also lost Michael K. Williams. Remember from The Wire? He's been playing in so many different shows and, and different things. He was found dead also, too, in um, September in his apartment. So a lot going on. Carl Bean, he was a famous preacher, gay preacher. He died 77 years old. We also lost Greg Leakes. Remember Nene Leakes' husband from Atlanta Housewives? And I should have did an episode on Nene because Nene has already moved on and got a new boo. But that's a whole nother story. Life does go on. So she does have the right to go on. But I know a lot of people have questions about that. And there's been a lot of debate also. But very interesting. We lost so many people this year. And that's not even half of it. Those are just some of the ones that I'm remembering and naming from the time that we haven't spoken. So There's been a lot that we could have talked about. Don't worry. I've been following the news. I've been following along. So I know everything that's been happening. You know, we even lost Biz Marquis this year. I don't think I talked about him, but that happened in July. Just a lot going on. You know, we've also been remembering DMX. We've been remembering Chad Bozeman. That's already been some time has passed already a year now. And now here we are going into another year. 
2022, y'all. I cannot believe it. Where has this year gone? I don't know, but I just know that life is short. We've been dealing with so much, like I said, loss, devastation. And these are just a few people, not to mention the people in your families that have passed away due to COVID, due to health issues and other things going on. Also, too, many of you may have been sick with coronavirus, with the flu, with health issues and other things. So there's a lot that we've been kind of struggling through and trying to get through. And like I said, I've missed you guys. Thank you to everyone who checked on me. I didn't get the man's name but someone called me from Florida in August. I was supposed to come back to the podcast in August. I told you that I was coming back, but things happened that kept me away. And I just want to thank you for calling me. I remember you called me and you talked to me a little bit about your wife and about the podcast and asking me, would I be coming back? And here I am, I'm back. And I thank you for calling and checking on me. Thank you for the inboxes. Let me give a shout out. Someone just contacted me on Instagram a couple, what was that last week? I said, I was going to come back to the podcast and I didn't make it last week because of the holiday season. I ended up getting very busy, but it's Fortuna, F-A-R-T-U-N-A. I just want to tell you, thank you for contacting me, sending me a DM on Instagram. I am doing well and I am back like I never left. (laughs) So, and this is season two, you guys, in January, we're going to start season three. Also, this is episode 50. We would have been way ahead if I would have continued on from July to now, but we are on episode 50 and I could not leave this year without coming back and talking about something about connecting with you guys. So when I left in August, I just I was planning on taking a break for a couple weeks. But sometimes we make plans. And let me tell you, there's other plans that are made for us too that you have no idea. So during this time that I've been gone, a lot of great things have been happening in my life. Um, Some things have been tragic that have happened. Um, Some things that just a lot of change, um, a lot of things that I didn't expect that that would happen. And it happened during this time that kept me away from coming on the podcast. I've been very busy. I've been very um, just doing a lot of things and being pulled in so many different directions. But you all kept me encouraged. Thank you for everyone who emailed me checking and trying to see where I was at. I can't shout everybody out, but because there were so many people, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. You really made me know that this podcast is important and that this is helping a lot of people. You all encouraged me and motivated me to get back on track. And so here we are, we're back and I couldn't be happier. Thank you for your support and thank y'all for riding with me. And thank you for being a part of this community, for building this community. This is our safe space. And on that note, we've got a lot to talk about. So let's just get right into it. Now, how many of y'all are fans of SZA? SZA is an R&B singer. And for those of you who don't know, her real name is Solana, but she goes by the name S-Z-A, SZA. And she got her name from the Supreme Alphabet. So basically the S stands for sovereign or savior. And then the Z stands for zigzag. And then the A stands for Allah. So that's how she came up with the name SZA. Now, let me tell y'all, I love SZA. 
that she is one of my favorite new artists. Well, she's been out since like 2017, even before that, like if you follow her, but very good singer, very original style. So I love SZA. She has songs with Travis Scott, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, and speaking of Travis Scott, that's another thing that happened during this time that we weren't talking. The Astroworld tragedy where all those people were um, killed at his concert. So that's something else that's happened. You know, my heart goes out to all of those families that lost their loved ones. Um, You know, what a tragedy. And so anyway, sorry, I got off track, but she has songs with him. That song, Love Galore. She has a song out right now called I Hate You. And it's a good song, y'all. And also too, she sings a song called The Weeknd. She got so many hits. My man, it's my man, it's your man, her, that's her man too. Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I just keep them satisfied through the weekend. You like nine to five, I'm the weekend. Oh, make him lose his mind every weekend. You take Wednesday, Thursday and just send him my way. Think I got it covered for the weekend. Y'all know that song, little trifling song. How many of y'all like that little trifling song? <laughs> I like it. She sings it so good. Now, SZA is an excellent vocalist, but she's also been very vocal about something else. And that would be her struggles with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Now, SZA is 32 years old and there is a such thing as adult ADHD. Now, this is something that she's been struggling with all her life and she's never hidden her diagnosis of ADHD. She's always talked about it since she came out. Um, Even last year, she talked about how difficult and how challenging it is for her to be a creative person in dealing with this disorder. She had tweeted last year that ADHD sucks and she opened up more and even shared about how ADHD medication is not an option for her. It doesn't help her to stay focused. She can't make music while she's taking Adderall because she actually does have ADHD. And if, instead of turning her up, it turns her way down. So she's more hyper-focused. And when she's recording songs, it takes her like a thousand takes of the same line. And she has no excitement, no connection about it. So it's very difficult for her to be on medication and be a creative at the same time. So she's talked about ADHD numerous times. She's talked about it in 2017. Um, throughout the years since then, she talked about it in 2020. Last week, she came out and made a series of tweets about ADHD and how it's affecting her as well. And she's not alone. You know, a lot of children have ADHD. They grow up to be adults and they still struggle with attention, with hyperactivity. Solange, Beyonce's sister, she also has revealed that she has ADHD as well. She was diagnosed by two doctors, um, Will I Am, who is the music producer from the Black Eyed Peas. He's also a, a performer as well. He has ADHD. Um, Simone Biles, our Olympic gymnast, she has ADHD as well. And she takes Adderall to help her focus. And this is something that she's been taking since she was a kid. She's been very vocal about her struggles as well. And she's been very encouraging too. She's been saying, you know, having ADHD and taking medicine for it is nothing to be ashamed of. She's not ashamed of anything and she's not afraid to let people know as well. You know, Will Smith, he also has come out and said that he's been diagnosed since he was a child with ADHD, that he was one of the kids in school who had trouble paying attention. He was the fun one. But he had trouble focusing. So that was something that he's dealt with or he still deals with as well. 
Also, Michelle Carter, she's an Olympian. She's won gold medals and gone to the Olympics. She's a shot putter. And she's been very vocal, too, about her struggles with ADHD and dyslexia. And she said that it's something that she's never been shy about. This is what she said. She said, I tell them you can do whatever you set your mind to. You may just do it differently. You may have to work a little bit harder, but you can do it. So this is something that she's been dealing with. A lot of people deal with ADHD. And many times it's very misunderstood, especially in the black community, because it seems like a lot of our black children are being diagnosed with ADHD. So sometimes we don't know if there's bias and sometimes there is bias that's happening. But sometimes the child might be struggling, being very hyperactive or having a difficult time focusing, paying attention. So it can be a very difficult diagnosis to understand. Sometimes kids with ADHD, they get labeled as being bad, bad kids, always getting in trouble, always getting spankings, maybe getting in trouble at school, maybe getting in trouble at home all the time. So like I said, it can be a very difficult diagnosis. It's difficult for people to understand. A lot of times people don't have empathy for people when they say they have ADHD and especially adult ADHD. People don't realize that those same issues from childhood follow people into adulthood. So in today's segment of Ask Dr. Tina, I wanna read a quote from SZA regarding her experiences with ADHD. She stated, and I quote, having unmedicated ADHD is really effing hard and absolutely nobody has empathy for it because we all grown and busy But GD, I'll be ready to tap out. Adult unmedicated ADHD is actually terrifying, much deeper than procrastination. I really can't recall what I'm supposed to do. Living with ADHD is really effing difficult. It's a little embarrassing, especially when I'm nervous. My mind is running a mile a minute. My ADHD speaks for me before I can speak for me. If I'm in public and people walk up to me because I've never been famous before, I've probably lost something by the time everyone has left me. I'm easily disoriented, but I'm getting a hold on that. And that's what SZA had to say. You know, it takes a lot of courage for a person to come out and share these struggles, especially when it's something they struggle with since childhood. It's still affecting her nowadays. Like she said, it can be embarrassing, but there's nothing to be embarrassed about. A lot of people struggle with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. This is a chronic condition. It involves a person having just difficulty paying attention. Maybe they're very hyperactive. Maybe they're impulsive. They're easily distracted. You know, a lot of people deal with this disorder. Many have been diagnosed and many have not. For the most part, you see children being diagnosed with ADHD, but adults can be diagnosed as well. Although it's less common, it does happen. But keep in mind, there are a lot of adults who may have had ADHD as a child. They've never been diagnosed. They never got help. And now they're adults and their symptoms are interfering with work with school, with their household tasks, with their relationships. They have a hard time just kind of managing their behaviors. Like maybe they talk a lot or they keep interrupting other people when they're talking. Maybe they're very fidgety, very restless, can't sit still, very impulsive, just always doing something. Maybe they're very forgetful in terms of daily things that they have to get done and they keep forgetting stuff. You got to keep telling them over and over to do something. It's really hard for them to maintain their attention for them to sustain attention or they're having problems with maybe being organized or just following through always quitting things and never completing anything so these are just some of the things that might happen when a person is struggling with ADHD now generally 
people identify ADHD early in life, something that you'll notice when a person is in school age years, but it can manifest as behavior problems sometimes at school, difficulty kind of understanding the material that they're learning, not able to complete tasks at school, just being easily distracted by other people. It's estimated that up to 5% of school age children are diagnosed with ADHD. Boys are more often diagnosed than girls. And girls and women are also more likely to have the features of inattentiveness of them not being able to kind of pay attention while boys might demonstrate more of like the behavioral problems, them being disruptive and not being able to sit still. You might see that more with boys. And that could be part of the reason why boys are two times more likely than girls to be diagnosed with ADHD. Females are also um, disruptive and, and kind of have those same behavioral things as well. But a lot of females go underdiagnosed for just a lot of different reasons. There's a difference in the way that the symptoms are displayed in boys and girls. And most of the time, a lot of the focus might be on males because like I said, they may be more disruptive or may get more attention because their behaviors are more out there as opposed to um, a child who's very quiet, but has a difficult time focusing and paying attention. Keep in mind, ADHD is very, very common. There have been millions of children that have been diagnosed with ADHD. Three million per year are what some of the statistics show. So it's very common. And also people who have ADHD, oftentimes they may have a behavior or a conduct problem. They also may deal with anxiety. So there are other conditions that a person with ADHD might be dealing with. They might also be dealing with depression. Um, they might also be on the autism spectrum. They might have Tourette syndrome as well. So there is a lot to consider. What SZA is talking about is adult ADHD this is a condition that's normally diagnosed in childhood, but it can last into adulthood. And this is what SZA is dealing with. A lot of children who experience ADHD, they don't just grow out of it. They don't grow out of feeling the symptoms. It carries on. They still grow up and they're daydreaming. They're very forgetful. They're fidgety. They might be talking a lot. They have a hard time just resisting temptation because they're so impulsive. They're always doing something. And they might even have a hard time getting along with other people. So that's something that happens. And especially when when it goes untreated, um, ADHD can have long term effects. It can affect a person's academic performance. It can affect their success as far as career and vocational. It can affect their relationships. It could affect their social emotional development, how they express their feelings and their thoughts. And also keep in mind, ADHD isn't a disability per se. It's not a learning disability or anything like that. But some of the symptoms of ADHD can make it harder for a person to be able to learn. It can make it difficult for them to keep up in certain ways. Now, someone can have ADHD and also have a learning disability, but ADHD isn't the learning disability. Some of the symptoms, like I say, just make it harder for them to learn because they're not able to pay attention. They're not able to sit still. So a lot of times in school, when a person is diagnosed, the teachers will give them extra time for assignments, extra time for them to take tests. They kind of get like a reward system going so that you can kind of motivate them to stay on task. ADHD is a difficult condition to have because it does have lifelong effects on a person. And when people don't understand ADHD, including parents, friends, 
um, teachers, bosses, whoever, it can make it even more difficult for the person because there's pressure put on them and people don't have empathy, like SZA said. And that's when behavior problems can start because when people don't feel understood by the people around them, they might start to argue a lot. They might lose their temper. They might start to annoy other people on purpose, or they start to do things, they break the rules, or they are aggressive towards other people, maybe they're fighting other people, they're bullying people, or they're just not getting along, they're taking things from people that do not belong to them. And then that can develop into a conduct disorder. So we see this a lot of times with our children. It's not that they're bad kids. It's just that they're misunderstood. And spanking them and yelling at them is not going to help. It just affects their self esteem. It makes them feel low self-esteem and in turn, they're going to act out. And all of these challenges that a person, a child is facing, an adult is facing, it makes it hard for them to manage and maintain at school, at work, and it can also make them feel worse. They feel anxious, depressed. And if they have a learning disability like dyslexia on top of all of this, it's just going to make it even more challenging for them. So on today's episode, I like to take a deeper dive into ADHD in the black community. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is the acronyms, because you may have heard the terms ADD and you've heard ADHD. And maybe you've wondered, okay, what's the difference? How come there's two different terms for this disorder? But I want you to keep in mind, ADD is outdated. We're going to throw that in the trash because we don't use that anymore. It stood for attention deficit disorder. And it was used to describe people who have problems paying attention, but they're not hyperactive. So now the term is ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And when we're describing people who maybe have problems paying attention, but they're not hyperactive, we just use um, other words like predominantly inattentive. So they have ADHD, but the type that they have is predominantly inattentive. So there's different types of ADHD. So we use that in place of ADD. So you don't have to worry about ADD. The new term is ADHD. Now, when we talk about adult ADHD, keep in mind, more than 60% of children with ADHD are still going to show symptoms as adults. So it doesn't go away for a lot of people. The hyperactivity symptoms normally decrease with age, like they're not bouncing all around fidgety and all that stuff. But them being inattentive and maybe impulsive, that is still going to possibly continue. So that's why treatment is important. If a person doesn't take medication, maybe they can learn some coping skills and other things, which we'll talk about later on in the episode. But you know, untreated ADHD in adults, it can have just a lot of negative impacts on a person's life. Like they might have a hard time just managing their time. They're very forgetful. They're impatient. And that can cause problems at work that can cause problems in their relationships with other people that can cause problems at home. So imagine being in a relationship with the person who has trouble managing their time. They're very forgetful. They're impatient. Like you're going to have conflict in that relationship with this person. Maybe you can't depend on them. And that's a problem. Maybe you always feel like you have to go behind them or that you're chasing them to try to get them to do and to be a certain way. 
Now, when we talk about ADHD in children, what you're going to see is sometimes a lot of problems at school. That's what ADHD is normally associated with when we think about children. They're going to have a difficult time like in the classroom setting. And then also, too, you're going to notice behaviors at home as well. They're not able to concentrate on tasks at home, at school. They're daydreaming. That's something that you'll see a lot with girls. Girls might daydream a lot and they're very hyper talkative, like as opposed to hyperactive. Boys might be hyperactive, bouncing all around, keep getting out, getting up, leaving class. Girls might just keep talking and keep talking back, keep interrupting. So you'll see that a lot with them. Um, And children with ADHD, they oftentimes become very disruptive, very defiant. They have trouble getting along with their parents, getting along with their peers at school, getting along with their teachers. So especially the children who struggle with being hyperactive and just very impulsive, they might be blurting out things, they're doing things, just always doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. So they face a lot of behavioral challenges. And that can make it very difficult for adults to manage the teachers have a hard time managing those behaviors, their parents have a hard time managing their child's behaviors. Now adults, what they might normally be dealing with is that they're very restless, they're fidgety, they're like struggling also too with impulsivity. So they might make rash decisions and that just they didn't think it through and that's going to have a big effect on their life. Um, With children and adults, some of the things that they struggle with is decision making, maybe planning, maybe managing their emotions, just getting angry, having outbursts, temper tantrums, things like that saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, saying stuff that they shouldn't be saying to adults, saying things that they shouldn't be saying to certain people just because they're being very impulsive and they just have a hard time kind of managing their own emotions. So that's something that you'll also see. And it affects their relationships. Like with kids, a lot of times that have ADHD, they get isolated from their classmates because their classmates are tired of the behavior. They're tired of them being disruptive. They're tired of them, you know, just causing all this chaos sometimes. They don't mean to do it. It's just that they need to learn some skills. And adults, people in relationships with them get tired of that behavior. So that can leave a person feeling very lonely. And that loneliness can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety and to a lot of other just uncomfortable emotions. It can lead a person to feeling maybe rejected or unwanted, unliked, left out in some way. Imagine what a lonely place that is to be in. Now, keep in mind, ADHD is not a new concept. It was actually discovered in 1798 by a Scottish doctor. His name was Sir Alexander Crichton. And he noticed that there were some people who had a hard time just staying focused on their activities the way that other people could. And he noticed that some people were very easily distracted. And so he said that, you know, these symptoms start early in life. And basically that's consistent with what we know now to be ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It just wasn't called that, but he recognized kind of what those symptoms were early on. Like in the 1900s, various doctors and scholars, they would describe some of the symptoms of ADHD. Like there was a series of lectures in 1902 by this man named Sir George Frederick Steele. And he talked about mental conditions that were found in healthy children that had normal intelligence. So what he noticed was he noted that there were 15 cases of boys and five cases of girls in which they were maybe very impulsive, they had problems paying attention, they had a hard time with self-control. So that is what he was talking about was ADHD, although it wasn't labeled as that, 
but it aligns with what we kind of know today that males are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than females. Because even back then, there were 15 cases in boys and only five in girls. So then as time went on, they started to label ADHD. It wasn't called ADHD. It was called hyperkinetic disease. So in 1932, there were two German doctors and they came up with this condition called hyperkinetic disease, which was basically ADHD. And what you would see is children that had this condition, they couldn't stay still. They had a hard time following rules. They disturbed the classes. Um, they had problems getting along with other kids. And normally it started in children who were like three to four years old. And then it got worse by age six. And then by the time kids were seven, their restlessness became maybe less intense. They got better as they got older. So then about five years later in 1937, there was a doctor. He was a medical director. His name was Charles Bradley. Like if you are from East Providence, Rhode Island, you would know that there's a hospital there called Bradley Hospital. And it was named after this man, Charles Bradley. Now, what he noticed was that a stimulant called Benzedrine caused some of the children to behave better. And that also improved their school performance and their behavior. So Benzedrine was basically the medication that came before Ritalin. This was the first medication for hyperactivity, the Benzedrine. Now, even though this Benzedrine was approved in 1936, it still took some time for researchers to kind of put the pieces together that, hey, maybe this can help with what we call now ADHD. So it took a little time. Now, in 1944, there was this medication made and it's called methylphenidate. And that is what we use today It's a stimulant that doctors use and they prescribe to children with ADHD. It was made in 1944, but then in 1954, it was marketed as Ritalin. And so that's when Ritalin came about. Now, it was first used to treat conditions like chronic fatigue and depression, but they discovered that Ritalin worked also to improve kind of the symptoms of ADHD. And even today, Ritalin is still used to treat ADHD, but it also treats narcolepsy as well. And then also today, Adderall is another medication used to treat ADHD. Now, fast forward to the 1990s, there were a lot of kids being diagnosed with ADHD. There was a significant climb. And the reason why is because Doctors have more guidance and they were able to diagnose ADHD more efficiently. Also, a lot of parents were becoming aware of ADHD. They were aware of the symptoms. It was being talked about more. And so they started to report some of their child's symptoms. They would take them to the doctor. They would share what was going on with them. And as the cases rose of ADHD, also medication rose, more and more medications came out to kind of treat the disorder. Some of them are very effective at treating ADHD. And the medications can help to relieve some of these symptoms. Now, today, scientists are still trying to figure out and identify what causes ADHD and also some other treatments for ADHD. But what they're saying is that there's a genetic link, possibly children who have parents or siblings with ADHD are more likely to have it as well. So scientists are working to not only find other treatments, but they're working to find a cure for it. Like I mentioned before, ADHD is very common. Some studies show, like I mentioned earlier, that men are twice as likely than women 
to be diagnosed with ADHD, but some studies even show men are three times more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than females. Also too, during their lifetime, 13% of men will be diagnosed with ADHD and 4.2% of women will be diagnosed. So the number is much lower for women, but that doesn't mean that women don't have ADHD. It's just not reported maybe. So normally the symptoms of ADHD, they first start to show up between the ages of three and six years old. Now, keep in mind, ADHD is not just a childhood disorder. Like we talked about, there are adults who deal with ADHD. About 4% of American adults over the age of 18 deal with ADHD on a daily basis. And ADHD affects all ethnicities. 9.8% of white children are diagnosed with ADHD. 9.5% of black children 5.5% of Latino children. In total, it's estimated that approximately 6.4 million children ages 4 to 17 in America have been diagnosed with ADHD. And then on top of that, depending on what state you live in, the numbers can even be higher in some states than they are in other states. So there's a lot to consider. And when it comes down to diagnosing ADHD, A person has to have problems with um, not being able to pay attention, inattention or hyperactivity, impulsivity for at least six months that negatively has an impact on their performance or their functioning. That's how you diagnose ADHD. So also, too, the person has to have these behaviors have to exist in like two or more different settings. So maybe at home and at school, they're having this issue. Maybe at work and at home, they're having these issues at home, at work or in social settings. So this is how you would have to diagnose it. It can't just be they're having these problems at home only. It has to be in two or more places. Now, when we talk about inattention, not being able to pay attention, that includes like maybe they're making careless mistakes. They're overlooking details. They're not paying attention to detail. Um, They have a hard time just staying focused on their tasks. Maybe they have a hard time staying focused on conversations. They're very easily distracted. Um, They're having a hard time just following through on instructions or in the workplace, the duties that they have to take care of. They're having a hard time following through with their work, just getting distracted, not getting things done on time just having a hard time staying organized on their tasks, on activities that they have to do. They're just unorganized. So like when it comes down to reports or them filling out forms or reviewing papers, they can't pay attention for a long amount of time. Anything that requires maybe sustaining their attention, maybe they avoid doing it. So they avoid writing their reports. They avoid um, looking at documents or doing certain things, or they might say, oh, I can't do it. They refuse to kind of take on these roles and do what they have to do. So they might also lose things frequently. They're always losing something. They're very forgetful. Maybe they forget appointments. They forget to do their chores. You got to keep reminding them. Now, when a person has the symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity, what you might see is they're always getting into fights. 
getting into fights with other people, arguing, um, fist fighting. They might be tapping their foot, tapping their their arms. They're squirming, moving around all the time. Maybe they leave their seat all the time when they're in class. They when they're supposed to stay in their seats and you're expected to remain seated. They keep getting up, always going to the restroom, always leaving class just feeling like very restless overall. They might have a hard time just sitting still for a long period of time. And just also too, they have a hard time engaging in like leisure activities. They can't relax and just sit and read a book. They can't relax and just watch TV. They got to keep doing stuff. Maybe they talk excessively or they're always blurting out answers in class, blurting out answers to questions without them being asked or raising their hand. So just having a hard time just waiting for their turn, they might intrude and interrupt other people. So that's something that you'll oftentimes see. Now, another reason why ADHD might not be diagnosed as often in girls is because it's hard to kind of tell. It's not as obvious the symptoms in girls as they are in boys. Like with boys, you might see more of, like I mentioned, the acting out, them being very impulsive or just running around, jumping around, can't sit still, just not focusing, being very inattentive. With girls, you might see that they're maybe withdrawn. Maybe they have anxiety, low self-esteem. They're they're daydreaming a lot. They're arguing a lot with other girls, just like verbal aggression, teasing, calling names. You see that type of behavior and you think that they're just being catty. Oh, it's their hormones or something. But a lot of these symptoms may be ADHD symptoms. And so that's why they're not getting diagnosed. They have impairment also in them paying attention. And that leads to them maybe having problems in school and getting good grades. So you might see that in females. Also, too, something else I want to mention is that ADHD is broken down into three categories. There's three different types that a person might be diagnosed as. Maybe it's predominantly they're inattentive or maybe they're predominantly hyperactive and impulsive. Or maybe it's a combination of both. They're inattentive, but then they're also hyperactive and impulsive. So those are the different diagnoses that you might see. Now, in adults with ADHD, what you're going to see normally is the inattention. That's what's going to be more prominent. Men and women with ADHD, they're going to struggle to focus on their tasks, to prioritize, to be organized. So in adults, the struggles that you're going to see mostly is at work. They're going to have a hard time just doing what they're supposed to do, completing their work. They might be missing deadlines. They're avoiding doing paperwork and stuff that needs to get done. They might even forget like a lot of social engagements, things that they're supposed to go and do with their partner. Oh, I forgot about that birthday party. Oh, what? Your sister is getting married. Oh, man, I forgot what date you said. So that's what you might see in adults. Now, I don't remember if I mentioned this already, but doctors don't know exactly what causes ADHD, but they believe that it has to do with some neurological origins. Genetics might also play a role. If a person was exposed to kind of toxins when the mother was pregnant, maybe the mom was drinking, using drugs, that can also affect it. Some kind of early traumatic experiences might also lead a person to developing ADHD. Some studies also show like exposure to lead that's found in like some of the older buildings that might lead to it. Lead through water sources that can also lead to a person developing ADHD, possibly. Like I say, they don't know completely what causes ADHD, but some of these things might contribute to why people may develop ADHD. 
Now, there's not one single test that can determine if a person has ADHD. So what happens is oftentimes doctors have to assess the person's symptoms. They gather information, maybe from teachers, maybe from family members. And then there's checklists and different scales that can help to rate and review the person's symptoms. So that's what they will often do. They also do a physical exam and they check for other health problems as well. So definitely if a person suspects that they may have ADHD or their child might have ADHD, you can go and get an evaluation. You can go and talk to your medical doctor. You can talk to a psychiatrist. You can talk to a neurologist and you can go to an ADHD specialist or something and they can help you as well. And also, even though there are a lot of medications, there's psychotherapy, there's evidence-based treatments that can be used to help manage ADHD, there's also other things a person can do. For example, learning behavioral strategies. They can be very effective and it can make a person feel empowered to be able to control their ADHD symptoms. There's tactics, there's tips, there's coping skills that a person can use. Let me tell you how. You know what time it is. It's time to cope. It's time to pull out our coping toolboxes. I'm going to give us some tools to toss in there today to help us cope with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Remember, we are going to be building our coping toolbox every time that we're together so that we can keep everything that we need that can help calm us during times of distress and help us to express how we feel in healthy ways. The first thing that I want you to know is that you're not alone. If you think that you're struggling with ADHD or you feel like your child might be struggling with symptoms of ADHD, you're not by yourself. A lot of people are dealing with this and there is help available. You and your child can go on and live a very successful, healthy, happy life. There is therapy available, talk therapy, which we also call psychotherapy, and that can help you or your child just to kind of talk about how ADHD is affecting your life and give you tips and tools on how to manage it. And then there's also behavioral therapy, and this therapy can help you to learn how to manage and monitor your behavior. There's also medication available, and the medications kind of help with the brain chemicals, and it enables you to better be able to control your impulses and your actions. So that is how the medication might work. And keep in mind, there's different types of medications. There's stimulants and then there are non-stimulants. So you would have to talk to your doctor and find out what these drugs do. Ask them as many questions as you need to ask in order for you to feel comfortable. Like because the stimulants, they're most commonly prescribed as the ADHD medication. And the way the stimulants work is what they do is that it increases the brain's chemicals like norepinephrine and the dopamine. So the stimulants would be like the Ritalin, the Adderall. Now, if stimulants don't work for you or they don't work for your child, then you want to talk about this with your doctor. Are you having some side effects that's causing you problems? Talk to your doctor and maybe they might suggest some non-stimulant medication. There's other things that they can do. The first step is reading up on some of these ADHD medications. What are the benefits? What are the side effects? Talk to your doctor about it. There's also natural remedies that people can do. Instead of medication, there's, you know, eating a nutritious diet, a balanced diet, making some changes to your lifestyle, you know, try to do some exercise, get at least 60 minutes of physical activity per day. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Try to limit how long you're on your phone your phone, your computer, your TV, limit how much time you're on it. You know, if you have an Apple phone, it shows you 
all of your screen time and how long you've been on your phone during the day. And you want to kind of limit that. Maybe do some yoga, Tai Chi, spend time outdoors in the sun. All of that can help a person to calm their mind. If your mind is overactive, you're overthinking, your thoughts are all over the place. That can also help to ease some of those ADHD symptoms and kind of calm you down. Meditation, Mindfulness is another technique that can help people to improve their attention if you have ADHD. Also knowing what's in the food that you're eating, you know, what kind of additives or what type of allergens are in the foods that you're eating that can also exasperate the symptoms of ADHD. You want to learn that, learn about your body. Another thing, learning about medications are important too because there's some antidepressants. Sometimes doctors might use that to treat ADHD in adults. So Welbutrin, Effexor, these are uh, depression medications, but they're also used to maybe treat ADHD. There's also the same medications are used to treat other things like nicotine and smoking cessation and just a whole bunch of other things. So it's important to know how these medications work, what's the names of them and all of the stuff that you need to know. Also, keep in mind, if you're an adult and you're going to seek therapy for ADHD, just be open and honest. Let them know what you've been dealing with. If you're not able to pay attention, if you're impulsive, talk about these things so that they can know which steps to take, because there's different skills that you can learn that can help improve your everyday functioning, like time management skills, organization skills, kind of how to execute your goals, how to manifest and set your intention and get things done, how to manage your stress, how to control your impulses and regulate your emotions. So all of that is something that you can learn in therapy. And also you can learn how to navigate some of the situations at work, navigate work, navigate relationships with your significant other, navigate relationships with your family, with your coworkers, whatever it is that you need to learn that's going to help your life work better for you. That's something that you and your therapist can work on together and you can just get guidance. You're going to be working as a team. A lot of adults with ADHD, they get negative feedback from people. They're getting negative feedback from their parents. Um, they're used to getting negative feedback when they were in school from teachers, maybe from their boss telling them they're not doing something right from their peers saying things to them. And all of that takes a toll on their confidence, on their self-esteem about what they believe they can achieve and what they can't do. So and a lot of negative thoughts will come. They feel like I'm inadequate. I'm defective in some way. Something is wrong with me. I'm unlovable. I'm unlikable. I'm unwanted. So cognitive behavioral therapy is another therapy that can help to identify just some of the negative thoughts and the negative thinking that a person is having and why they're not motivated or why they're avoiding certain things. So it can kind of just help them to get rid of these behaviors and go on and just live your best life. These are all barriers, stumbling blocks that we got to move out of the way. If you or your child or someone you know is struggling with ADHD, your partner, your you know wife, husband, boyfriend, sister, brother, whoever, try to maintain a consistent schedule. They need to have structure. They have to have regular expectations of them. What is what are their chores for the week? Um, stay organized. You can make a list, keep a calendar, set reminders on your phone to remind you to be able to um, make it 
to your appointments or a reminder of the birthday party that's next week or a reminder to make sure you wash the dishes or whatever it is that you need to do. It can be helpful to just write down for your children, have them write down their homework assignments, keep a a journal, keep everyday items like their toys, their backpacks in a certain spot. So they know that it's always there. Keep their shoes and all of their items in certain spots. Being organized is huge because it can help you just to stay focused. It helps you to get more things done. When you're not organized, you kind of spend a lot of your day trying to figure out where to start. You're starting a whole bunch of different things at one time and you're not getting anything done. So maybe developing a new way to kind of organize your day that can help you to manage your activities and manage your time more efficiently, remove distractions. And when you remove the distractions, then that can also remove some of the frustration that you might have during the day. So set guidelines like, hey, I work from this time to this time, I'm not going to be answering my phone. Let me let all my friends know, don't call me during these hours because I'm busy, or my phone is on, do not disturb during this time, or I keep my phone in the room away from me when I'm working, because I don't want to be distracted. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. Something else that might be helpful is just to write a schedule the night before every day, plan out your next day and write yourself a schedule of what you need to do. So that way in the morning, you already know what you have to get done and it gives you more control over your responsibilities, over the things that you got to get done and you can cross it off as you complete it. And that can give a person a sense of accomplishment. Like you're getting things done. You're checking it off the list. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. If you got to go to work, if you got to do some chores, if you just run in errands, it's helpful to just write down and prioritize what needs to come first. Okay, I need to go and do my laundry. I'm gonna have to go check my PO box. After that, I need to go make a return to Macy's. Um, Oh, I got to get home at this. I need to make sure I cook dinner. I need to take the meat out the freezer, whatever it is that you need to do, write it all down. And that is going to help you to start your day strong. And then it helps you also to refocus when you kind of you know, fall off. Maybe you sat down on the couch and started watching TV and zoned out for a little bit. Go back to your list, make a habit of checking your schedule throughout the day so that you can make sure that you're still checking stuff off. First thing in the morning, I'm going to check my schedule. All right. After lunch, I need to look at my schedule again. Okay. Let me check it one more time. Um, early on before I eat my dinner to see if there's something else I need to do before I go to bed. And then whatever you don't get done, just roll it over to the next day and make a new list and add those things and prioritize again. All of this is just helpful. It's going to maximize your chances of success. You're going to be able to manage your time better and just feel like you are accomplishing things that you're overcoming obstacles. So that can also help. And it doesn't matter. Maybe you don't even have a job. Maybe your job is working at the house and just being organized in your home. Maybe you're trying to clean your home. Maybe you have clutter that you're trying to take care of. Maybe you need to get organized as far as your home life goes, your closet, your bedroom, whatever it is that you need to do, but you get distracted or you have a hard time making decisions or or categorizing or prioritizing. So you want to focus, focus on just break it down into little tasks. Instead of looking at the whole thing, I got to clean the house, break it down, focus on only one room at a time. I'm going to focus on my bedroom. Okay, what in my bedroom, I need to vacuum, I need to fold the clothes, I need to make the bed and make a schedule for your cleaning, organize the times in your planner. Okay, I'm gonna spend an hour 
on my room or I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing X, Y, Z, you know, maybe make some boxes and organize like, okay, this is going to be to donate. This box is to keep stuff. And this is the stuff I'm going to throw in the trash. All of that can help you to just get things done. You're making moves. But when you think about everything as a large thing, like I got to clean the house, it can be overwhelming and it can lead to you getting distracted, kind of procrastinating and doing something else because you're avoiding doing what needs to be done. So make an appointment. If you want to donate some stuff, you want to call Goodwill, call Goodwill and see what they tell you. Okay, we're coming in two weeks. So now you got a deadline of the stuff. In two weeks, I got to have this stuff done. They told me what I need to do. I need to drop it off in the driveway. I need to drop it off here for them to pick it up. So those are things that can help you to just get organized. If you have a hard time doing it, then there are people that are professional organizers that you can call and you can get some help. So that's something else you can do. You know, use a planner, use a calendar, buy a little book. You can go to the 99 cent store and see if that works for you. Schedule everything in your in your planner, you know, wake up at this time, breakfast at this time. Uh, I'm going to work for 30 minutes doing X, Y, Z. I got a doctor's appointment at this time. After my doctor's appointment, I'm going to come home and take a nap from this time to this time. After my nap, I'm going to start the dinner. After dinner, I'm going to, you know, watch a little TV for an hour. After that, I'm going to, you know, get ready for bed. That's my time to unwind. So I'm going to go ahead and take a bath. I'm going to read a book during this time. You know, you want to schedule it all out and pencil it in every day. And that's going to help to declutter your mind. And it just get it gets it um, out of your mind and onto paper so that you can see it and just make a routine. Just try to get organized, make a daily schedule so that you can feel more confident because you're getting stuff done. You're checking it off and it's like, OK, cool. I'm not just. Um, doing a whole bunch of things at one time and getting nothing done. I'm following a routine and eventually your routine will become second nature. Like what's your routine for doing chores around the house? What's your routine for going through your mail and paying your bills or um, writing out checks? What's your routine for using your electronic devices? I use my phone to set notifications and reminders. All right. I'm going to always put my appointments in there. I'm going to put meetings in there. The moment that I get these appointments, the moment that I learn about a meeting, I'm going to put it in my phone and I'm going to add some notifications. I want to be reminded two days before. And I also want to be reminded two hours before. So set it up, whatever you need to do, make an exercise routine. Fitness is going to increase the dopamine in the brain. So that's a natural remedy for people who have ADHD. Doing some exercise is also going to reduce your anxiety, give you maybe a sharper memory. And exercise also clears your mind in a way that you're able to organize better. You're able to plan. You're able to remember details. So like I said, just try to make big tasks more manageable. Break them down into small pieces. Make a detailed checklist. Try to find what works best for you. All of these tips aren't going to work for everyone. Some of these might work for you. You might have to alter and and change it up a little bit. But if you start to feel overwhelmed, then it's something needs to change. You have to be able to overcome some of these roadblocks and just make a commitment to yourself that you're going to put in the effort to change, to get things done, to do something different. Try it first before you say that it's not going to work for you. And if you still feel motivated after you've got some 
the things checked off of your list, then do some more if you can, if you want to minimize as many distractions as you can, whether it's personal distractions, whether it's work distractions. If people are telling you come into your office and they're disrupting you and cracking jokes and wanting to to talk and stand in the doorway, you can let them know, hey, I'm busy right now. I'm doing something very important. I'm gonna have to catch you at lunchtime or I might catch you tomorrow because I got a lot that I'm trying to get done. You know, you have to set boundaries but also having a balance because you can set boundaries with a person and still be friendly. So you don't want to come off as being rude or, you know, showing that you're frazzled or overwhelmed. It's just setting boundaries with people. Hey, I don't have time to lollygag right now. Maybe we can, you know, crack some jokes later. But right now I'm trying to get caught up. I got too much. I'm behind right now. I'm trying to get it together. So you can say no to unnecessary things that other people are asking you to do. Say no to volunteering for stuff. You don't want to overextend yourself because that takes away a lot of your time and your focus. You want to say yes to the things that are crucial. Prioritize what is something that I absolutely have to get done. You say yes to that. Anything else? No, I can't send that email right now. That's not as important. This is what's important. So just kind of looking at too, what distracts you the most at work? Are you on social media? Do you keep grabbing your phone, looking at Instagram, YouTube, um, Snapchat, Facebook? What are you doing? Are you getting news alerts on your phone? Are you looking at email? Do you have somebody keep texting you? Is your work area like very dark? Is it messy in there? Are you have coworkers around that are distracting you because they're very loud or there's a lot going on? Sometimes those are the challenges that people face as adults who have ADHD. So you want to kind of look at what these distractions are and try to minimize them as best you can. Turn off the notifications on your phone. Maybe you can send calls to voicemail. Turn off the message notifications so that you're not seeing all the text messages pop up during the day on right on your screen. You actually have to go to the text messages and see what you miss. Maybe put on headphones that cancel out noise, especially if you're in a busy, loud workspace or environment, try to go somewhere quiet, close your office door if you need to. Um, Maybe you can make a request at work like, hey, you know, do you think you have a cubicle that I can work in sometimes or um, an office space that I can use to kind of get work done um, in a quiet place so that I'm not distracted? Maybe you can request that and ask for that. Sometimes listening to music or a white noise machine that can also help. And you can buy a white noise machine on Amazon because I have one. It makes the little noise like (sighs) that's white noise, but it also has like nature sounds. You can turn the knob and they're like 20 bucks or less. Some of them, some of them are more. It just depends on what you're looking for. But, um, you know, try not to use like loud songs with lyrics that are very distracting. You want to find something that's more soothing, classical music instrumentals, stuff like that can help you. And if you need to adjust your work schedule, maybe you can ask to do that too. Like maybe you need to work earlier in the day and stay later when there's not a lot of people. So if you're there early, there's not a lot of noise in the office. If you stay a little later, there's not a lot of noise in the office. It's up to you. And just try to stay organized. Make sure your workspace is clean. It's not cluttered. It's organized because that can also be a distraction too, like when things are out of order. And just, you know, know what you can and cannot do. Try not to put too much pressure on yourself. Like I said, don't commit yourself beyond what 
you have for the day. You already have your things scheduled in your schedule that you need to accomplish. And maybe you don't have room for anything else. So just being able to set boundaries in that way can be very, very, very helpful. Declutter your home, declutter your office, um, just make your area more appealing to you. Maybe you need to face a window or maybe facing a window is a distraction for you. So maybe you need to reorganize your office space or your room space when you're trying to get things done. Also, another thing that could be helpful is keeping like a little notepad, some sticky pads or something. And you want to write down your ideas as they pop into your head. Like if you have a moment where it's like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm in the middle of doing something else, but this other thing has just popped in my head. Instead of bouncing and doing this other thing that just popped into your head, write it down, write it down, and then you'll get back to it later. Right now, you need to finish what what you're doing. Finish one thing at a time. Hopefully that can help, you know, if you have smaller things that need to get done, like emails, phone calls, um, maybe you can get those things done early because those are just a whole bunch of little small things and you get the little small things done and it won't feel as overwhelming later on because now you got that out of the way. Try not to procrastinate, just do what you need to do. Check it off of your list and move on. Do one thing at a time. Everybody can't multitask and you got to know what your limits are. Maybe you're not good at multitasking. Maybe you have to focus on one thing at a time and then move on to the next. But do that if if you feel that works best for you. You want to be realistic too about your time. There's only 24 hours in the day. You can't just be working, working, working all day long, spend all day at work, like daydreaming and not doing anything. And then now work is your work day is done. You're supposed to be at home. And I know it's even more difficult with people working from home because maybe you're working later than you normally would because you're trying to catch up on all the stuff that you didn't do during the day when you were distracted. But then that takes away from your personal time. It takes away from your relationship. It takes away from your kids because now you're not available at the times when you should be. So just be mindful of that. Just remember you can get through this. There are a lot of techniques and tips that you can use. Um, There are things that are beneficial. You can have a fulfilling and successful life. Please keep that in mind. There are many people who have ADHD, living with ADHD, adults who are enjoying successful, fulfilling lives. They have found ways to manage their condition And they are thriving and you can too. And in the words of Howie Mandel, I leave you with this. I didn't let ADHD prevent me from achieving my goals and neither should you. And on that note, go ahead and put those coping toolboxes away, y'all. It's time for one of my favorite parts of the show. Movie therapy, music therapy. I would like to dedicate today's episode to the song called Good Days by SZA. And the song says, Good day in my mind, safe to take a step out. Get some end now, let your edge out. Too soon I spoke, you'll be heavy in my mind. Can you get the heck out? I need rest now, got me bummed out. You so, you so, you, baby, baby, babe. I've been on my empty mind, shit. I try to keep from losing the rest of me. I worry that I wasted the best of me on you, baby. You don't care. 
So now I'm trying to be a nuisance, this is urgent. Trying to make some sense, the loose change got me a war in my mind. Gotta let go, wait, can keep what's holding me. Choose to watch while the world break up in front of me. All the while, I'll await my arm and fade with a smile. Still wanna try, still believe in good days, no. Always inside, good day living in my mind. I believe that, I receive that, and I mean that. It's coping season, y'all. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. You are not only listeners, you are my co-hosts, and we are a community. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your stories, experiences, and thoughts related to life issues, topics you'd like to hear discussed, or questions you'd like answered. Please visit me on the web at drtinaweb.com and click on Ask Dr. Tina to submit your questions, thoughts, and more. Tune in every Wednesday to hear my response. You can also check out the show notes as well as other contact information on the website. In the meantime, and in between time, for additional updates, conversations, and more ways to interact, please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Dr. Tina Webb. That's D-R-T-I-N-A-W-E-B-B. Feel free to share your thoughts from the show on social media using the hashtag Coping Season Podcast. Lastly, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening to help others find the show and learn to cope just like you. I appreciate and read every single review. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for spreading the word to all of your friends, family, and co-workers. I so appreciate it. Thank you, and I'll see you next week.